Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody. This is Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and one of the many great things that he gave us, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, were analogies that are useful for understanding some of the most important messages of the Bible. Yeah, for example, in Ephesians chapter 2, he gave us the analogy of a gift for understanding spirit salvation. Verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Apostle Paul also gave us the complementary analogy of a prize for understanding soul salvation. Today, we are going to take a closer look at that analogy and two others that help explain it. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that, after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. That was 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Before attempting to interpret Scripture, we always use the SPACE method. SPACE is just an acronym that we created to remind Bible students to consider the speaker, SP, the audience, A, and the context, C, before attempting the explanation, E. So let's use the SPACE method today on today's scripture reading. So as mentioned, the speaker here is the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul taught with full apostolic authority, we know that. He was the most spiritually educated believer in history, and he also received a special gospel that he called my gospel. And we see that in Romans and 2 Timothy. And this was actually the gospel of the millennial kingdom. As for the audience, it's the church at Corinth, as the name of the letter implies. Um, This was a church of backsliding believers that were heavily influenced by the carnal world. Uh, We often refer to them as the Church of Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. To help everybody understand what Corinth was like at that time. Um, It was also a church that had not matured, so Paul said they were not able to receive the deeper teachings that he had for them. Uh, He used an analogy for this deeper teaching that's also found in the book of Hebrews. Spiritual meat, or solid food in some translations, 
which he contrasts with spiritual milk. All right, Jordan. So a common question that we hear from people is what does the milk slash meat analogy actually mean? To answer that question, we'll try to simplify it. Milk equals elementary teachings about Jesus Christ. You read that particular type of phrase in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Basically, the first coming of Christ and what happened at the cross. Right. Now, the meat equals solid food, and that's for the mature believer. And we read that also in Hebrews, but in chapter 5, verse 14. So the point here being that the Corinthian church was written for people who needed help understanding key concepts that all mature Christians must understand. And the benefit for us today is that we have a clear and straightforward description of these concepts for our own understanding so that we can share with any believer who may also be stuck in spiritual infancy or might only really understand the milk or the truths about the first coming of Christ. Great points, Andy. Um, as for the context, in 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul has been using himself as an example of self-discipline for the purpose of receiving a reward. Uh, he starts the chapter talking about his status, his rights, and his freedoms. For example, status In verse 1, he reminds them that he has full apostolic authority because he saw Jesus. And of course, any of that raises the question, when did Paul see Jesus? Well, the answer there, Jordan, is on the road to Damascus, and we see that account in Acts chapter 9. As for rights, in verse 4 of this reading, the Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians that he has certain rights as an apostle, including the right to be materially supported by the church. Uh, And in verse 5, he also reminds them that he has the right to take a wife. He fully supports these points with both logic for the Greeks and the audience and the law for the Jews. But then in verse 12, he explains that he denied himself all these freedoms and rights, choosing instead to, quote, endure all things so there would be no, quote, hindrance to the gospel of Christ. And if you could, if you could uh, read his summation of this point, which comes right before our scripture reading, I think that'd be helpful. Sure. I'll pick it up. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19, and it reads, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Thank you. And then finally, the point about freedom. In verse 19, Paul writes, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. In verse 20, he points out that although he isn't under the law, he became like one under the law to win Jews. We just heard that. In verse 21, he became like one not under the law to win Gentiles. In verse 22, to the weak he became weak and so on. He concludes in verse 23 that he does all this for the sake of the gospel so that he may share in its blessings. And notice this is all about sacrifice and works. Yeah, this is all about his effort, of course, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's more than grace. So now that we know, of course, the speaker now and the audience and the context of our scripture reading, let's attempt an explanation. 
We're going to start by breaking down our scripture reading, continuing now with verse 24. So we hear the apostle Paul reading, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. So a couple key points here, Jordan. Here we see the prize analogy again in the context of another analogy of a runner. Notice the difference when comparing the gift analogy in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Here in Ephesians, the gift is not of works so that no one may boast. But now going on to these verses in 1 Corinthians 9, we see that works are very much involved. Matter of fact, all run the race is what he's saying, and he's specifically speaking about Christians, but only one will receive the prize. And he advises that we all should run like we're trying to win a race. So Jordan, taking that into consideration, I have a question. You know, we believers often talk about our Christian walk. But here the Apostle Paul is saying that we should be running. Why is that such an important distinction? Well, you know, Andy, both speak of works, and that's critically important as we're talking about. Um, And they also speak of an ongoing sanctification process. But running, as distinct from a walk, really speaks of competition. And I guess working for a purpose because you're in a competition. And, you know, I think of other references in the New Testament to running, like in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, at the beginning, verses 1 to 3. The author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, right? Key points there for sanctification. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we we see here the sense of it it isn't like a race in that we're all competing and only one of us is going to get into the kingdom. Here in Hebrews, the author says, let us run with endurance the race set before each of us. So I think that the main distinction, again, would be, you know, a walk sounds a little too casual. It it works in the context that we use it, right? Your walk with Jesus or whatever. All that makes sense in the context that modern Christians use it. But the distinction with running is that, you know, it it really speaks to disciplining yourself and, and to this race that's been set before us. Like, there's a goal in mind. We're not just meandering through our Christian life. We actually have a goal and a purpose. Yeah, and of course, somebody who's a runner, especially a long-distance runner, is obviously has much better conditioning, which means, you know, the analogy could be you've got, you know, a level of Christian that is doing the right thing, but now Paul is specifically using, you know, coining the word running, meaning that, okay, if you're in this position here, if you're at the spiritual level where you could be running, that means that you're at such a mature level. Um, and especially since he, remember, where he's addressing the Corinthians, and, you know, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of long-distance spiritual runners then, but there were some. There were some wise. There were some that were feeding on the meat doctrines, the deeper doctrines. And the goal, of course, is that, you know, run like you're the only winner here. Don't look back. Run as hard as you can. Give it your all, right. you know? So, yeah, so coinciding what your point is, that we all have our own race to run. Everybody's got a, you know, a different way of how they're going to live their life for God. But the point is, you know, run it like you're, you're going to be the one that's going to win this. Give it your all. Yeah, great points. So returning to our study passage in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25, as we continue breaking this down verse by verse, verse 25 reads, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And you could add the word wreath there, an imperishable wreath. So, you know, we explored this... Um, Again, another great analogy from the Apostle uh, Paul. We explored the imperishable wreath in a previous episode, 
Just to give you a quick recap so you understand it, that word translated wreath is actually Stephanos, and uh, it's better understood as the laurels or the awards that were given as a prize to victors in the Olympic-type games of that day. Right, exactly. So you, you can notice immediately the connection with Paul's prize, right? He's speaking of a, uh, a tangible thing in this case. And, you know, if you break it down in the New Testament, there are five such uh, wreaths or laurels or crowns, Stephanos crowns are sometimes referred to um, in the King James Version and also in the NIV. And they are uh, the imperishable wreath or crown, which we just heard from our reading, uh, the crown of rejoicing, which is in 1 Thessalonians 2, the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 7-8, the crown of life, which is in James 1, 12, and also Revelation 2, 10, and the crown of glory, which is uh, 1 Peter 5, 4. And just so we don't get confused with our terminology, Andy, maybe you could explain what kind of crowns we're talking about here. Yeah, so there's definitely a distinct word in the Greek that is different from the Stephanos crowns when we're talking about a spiritual leader or a, a uh, spiritual rulership, that word in the Greek is actually the word diadem. Those are the crowns that we see King Jesus wearing um, later on when we study the book of Revelation. And that, that specifically is, is not necessarily something that uh, equates to your achievement or your works. This is more of a crown that usually stays amongst royalty and it's passed on to Jesus Christ. So the Stephanos crowns is something that, you know, the audience, the Corinthians could relate to because they knew about the Olympics. The Olympics, I'm assuming, existed back then, or they knew of like these competition games that they had. And Paul used that analogy to these to this church because they could relate and understand, oh yeah, you've got to prepare your body. You've got to train. Well, Paul is teaching us that in a spiritual way, we've got to do the same in order to achieve or receive a reward. Just, not, just letting everybody know, not, please don't confuse the two, because what Jesus is going to be wearing in the future, a diadem, is something different. Yeah, and rewarded believers, his co-heirs, if, if we attain to that, if we, uh, if we earn that achievement, um, we'll, we'll have sovereignty of our own under, under King Jesus' rule, and we'll have these Stephanos crowns or laurels that that we won, and, and we'll win them at the judgment seat of Christ. So, you know, using Paul's analogy, I guess we could think of these crowns more as medals, similar to the ones that Olympians win for running Olympic Games today. And, you know, the imperishable medal that we see here in 1 Corinthians 9 is given on the basis of winning our spiritual race, as we just described, which God has marked out differently for each and every believer. It's, it's your own race, as we read in another scripture. Um, the, the rejoicing medal from Thirst from 1 Thessalonians 2, is actually for something different. It's for soul winning, not for spirit winning. And that, the distinction there is um, s- spirit winning is leading a lost person to Jesus Christ, first salvation, but um, this one is for the winning of the saved into the kingdom. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. I mean, we could probably do a whole lesson just on that, mainly because most Christians are misinformed when they try to connect the soul and the spirit as possibly being the same thing. Right. So if you study that verse in First Thessalonians chapter 2 and, and you know, you're like, oh yeah, soul winning, it's like bringing people to Christ. No, actually it's different. It's actually like you pointed out, it's, it's about taking Christians who are already saved and showing them exactly what we're doing today. And right. we're, we're doing this so you at home or all you listeners out there can learn about this so you also can gain this Stephanos 
crown of soul winning, this rejoicing crown, this rejoicing medal. And it really only is received when you take someone who's already a Christian and you, you put them on the path that leads them to know of how to attain to the millennial kingdom. It's, and if you, if you have more you know, questions about that or concerns, or if you want to learn more about that, please feel free to email us, reach out to us. And we've got many, many lessons we could send to you, or we could just you know, do discussion about that to help you, because that's important. I mean, that's probably one of the key points of our ministry. Yeah. So interestingly, in teaching about the imperishable metal here in our, in our scripture reading, 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul was also working on his righteousness medal because it's about the kingdom and trying to um, convince Christians to whom he was writing in the church at Corinth um, about the kingdom and the need to work for it. Um, th- then the other medals we mentioned, the righteousness medal from 2 Timothy 4, that, that one's given to all believers who keep the faith until the end, whether that end is death or the rapture. The life medal from James 1 and Revelation 2 is given to martyrs specifically, those who were faithful unto death and more broadly to those who persevere through trials, temptations, and tribulations. So if you suffer for Christ, you can earn this life medal. And then finally, the glory medal of 1 Peter 5 is given to those who are faithful in feeding the flock of God. So that's shepherds slash preachers or elders slash teachers. And uh, so now let's go back to our scripture reading in 1 Corinthians 9, picking up in verse 26, Andy. Sure, I'll read that. And it reads, Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not just beating the air, but I'm disciplining my body and I make my body my slave. So a couple points, Jordan, we see a switch to a second analogy, and that's of boxing. So we go from, you know, the the disciple that's called to run as hard as they can, and now we're talking about boxing. And Paul here is contrasting beating the air, or what we might call today shadow boxing, right? right, if you follow the sport, with actually disciplining your body and making it your slave. So question. How is this boxing analogy similar, Jordan, to or different to the running analogy? Well, it's similar, I think, in that there's uh, self-discipline involved, and that's a common theme. You know, whether you're training for a race or you're, um, you know, training to be a good boxer, you have to, really, it's about the flesh, right? It's about, it's about um, disciplining the flesh. Uh, and and uh, the purpose that I think the Apostle Paul had in mind was that so the Spirit can, can shine through and you're not consumed with, with carnal things. Yeah, you could actually find out about the two natures of a Christian when you do your own study in Galatians chapter 5. Okay, so Jordan, the rest of verse 26, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Let's talk about that. That's a big one. Okay. Now, we've mentioned this before. Even the Apostle Paul entertained the possibility that he might get disqualified. And that, that brings up a big question. Again, it brings in you know, the possibility of even heresy, that there's a, a misunderstanding of, you know, different types of ministries today, different types of doctrine today, where people might come out and say, you see that verse? Paul is saying that I could lose my salvation. You know, could, do you want to maybe explain just a little bit about that to our listeners and so that they would understand what is going on here? Well, we see it as key proof that he's not talking about spirit salvation because you can't lose your salvation. But let's just think about this logically. Um, if disqualification in this context means that you can lose your salvation, then we're all pretty much doomed. Oh, yeah. Because remember, the Apostle Paul was a full apostle and the most educated Christian who ever lived. He had education beyond even today's PhD level um, and was taught by Jesus Christ himself, as we mentioned, in the desert for three years. So not only that, but he made greater sacrifices than any of us could hope to match in our lifetime. 
And you see that in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verses 24 to 27, Andy, if you want to give that a read. Yeah, actually, I will read it. And it reads, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, and in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. I mean, let's not forget, we even see in the book of Acts that Paul was stoned in Lystra and that he actually died. Died, yeah. He died. And then we, but we know later on in 2 Corinthians that he actually calls himself out as one who was raised from the dead. So, you know, that's, that's an amazing thought. So, yeah, when you look at it in retrospect, Paul was probably tortured more than most people we've ever come into contact with in our lives. So for him to even be humble enough to say, I might be disqualified, is a big statement. So I think it, it definitely calls for us to look at it more closely and see exactly what Paul's talking about. Yeah, and just logically then, um, you know, if the Apostle Paul was worried about losing his salvation, then, then like I said, we're all doomed. So it, it can't be logically true. If you just think about it with the rational brain that God gave you, forget about all the doctrinal stuff and dogma and for what sure. people you've heard from the pulpit or whatever that we're might dead. be. We're yeah, dead. we're all doomed because no, no, none of us could hope to ever no. achieve that standard yep. if that's what's required to to even be worried about maybe not getting into heaven. So it has to be about something beyond salvation. We all know that Jesus paid it all. He suffered um, a, a an even greater magnitude of suffering because he was God and submitted himself to physical death for us. So we call on his sacrifice. We don't have to do um, all those things for to get into heaven. But we, we want to do close to those things or, yeah. or, or use the Apostle Paul as our example for how to earn the kingdom. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you look at it from, you know, and this might be a little deeper and you could definitely, if you're interested at home, you could, again, write us, contact us, we'll give you some more information. But, you know, if you're a Christian of the Arminian branch and you feel, well, you know what? Paul is warning all of us because he was worried he would lose his salvation. So, you know, Again, based on your points that you're making, if that was the case, all this struggle, all this work, all this effort, all this running, all this suffering just to get in by the skin of our teeth, then what that does is it totally negates everything in the Bible that talks about grace. Right. It, it, the, the verses that we study in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you might as well just black those out of the Bible. Right. Where's so, the grace? Yeah, where is it? Right. So now we've got to look at it from the angle that we're trying to introduce to everybody, that there's something more than just salvation that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the reward, and he's talking about, hey, if you lose the reward, you're going to be heartbroken and destroyed. You don't want to do that. Yeah, and, and I think the final point to make, Andy, in terms of an everyday takeaway is another reason why we must go to this extreme of making our body a slave is because we're also fighting the flesh, which is our sin nature. As I mentioned earlier, and if we don't make our body a slave to the Spirit through this kind of discipline, it will make us a slave to its carnal desires. Exactly. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Don't forget to visit our website at 20mbs.org. That's 20mbs, as in minute Bible studies.org. Our website has a free archive of all lessons, links to our Facebook account and discussion forum, ways to support this ministry, and more. You can also sign up to receive an email whenever we upload a new Bible study. 
Our first email will even include a link to a special series titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. This eye-opening set of Bible lessons is our gift to you when you join our community. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. A hopeless case, an empty space, if not for grace. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.